Welcome to another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast, the Thinking Spatially podcast series where we think spatially across space and across time about key issues on our planet. Greetings, Joseph Kursky here with you to chat about Pliny the Elder, creating the first encyclopedia of geography. Pliny the Elder, creating the first encyclopedia of geography. If geography is really about everything in, above, and under the earth, and if an encyclopedia is supposed to contain a comprehensive summary of information from a particular branch of knowledge, how could an encyclopedia be created on something as vast as geography? Good question. Long before Google, Wikipedia, and Encyclopedia Britannica, Pliny the Elder did just that. In 77 through 79 CE, or AD, the Common Era, his Naturalis Historia, or Natural History, Naturalis Historia, was published as the first attempt to organize geographic knowledge into an encyclopedia. It has been described as one of the most important books ever to be published in Latin. Describing what Pliny defined as the natural world, or life, the work was so large that it took 37 books, organized in 10 volumes, to cover it all. In his introduction, Pliny claims to cite 100 authors of 2,000 books, from which he claims to discuss 20,000 topics. The topics were not limited to geography. They also covered history, astronomy, mathematics, ethnography, anthropology, human physiology, zoology, botany, agriculture, horticulture, pharmacology, mining, mineralogy, sculpture, painting, and precious stones. Quite a list of topics. However, three-quarters of the topics are germane to geography. Pliny did such a good job of organizing his topics that Naturalis Historia became a model for later encyclopedias, right down to its detailed referencing of original authors, its indexing techniques, and its table of contents. Pliny, whose real name was Gaius Plinius Secundus was a keen observer, passionate about knowledge of all kinds. Because he diligently read about and wrote about everything he observed, he can be considered as one of the original geographers. Yay! Moreover, as an adherent of Stoicism, Pliny worked about 20 hours of every 24. Hmm. He exemplified the modern-day notion of reading and working outside the box, as he believed that Quote, no book was so bad as not to contain something of value, end quote, recalled his nephew Pliny the Younger. He therefore, quote, read nothing without making extracts, i.e. taking notes, end quote. Pliny the Elder was an early example of the connection between war and learning geography that would become more important during the 19th and 20th centuries. Pliny's military service took him to Germany for a decade, where he made astute observations about the climate, people, terrain, environment, plants and animals. He later held official posts in Spain and France, which further enabled him to gather primary source data and also to interview those of whom he came into contact. Bon, bueno. Naturalis Historia is the only work of his that has survived. He wrote 92 additional volumes, and of these 102 collected works, described by Pliny the Younger, covered such topics as the use of the javelin and the cavalry, a biography, the wars between the Romans and the Germans, education from childhood of an orator, eight books on grammar, and 31 books on history. Pliny was astute about positioning himself politically so he could 
continue his research. While the dangerous Emperor Nero was on the throne from 54 to 68, Pliny wisely concentrated on writing about something he considered less controversial than history and geography, namely literature. But after Nero's death, Pliny resumed work on Naturalis Historia. The work is not perfect and perhaps not scientific in the modern sense. It contains errors, partly because of his mistranslation of Greek, partly because of his haste, and partly because of his uncritical acceptance of his sources. For example, he wrote that in Ethiopia, one can find winged horses with horns called pegasi, the mantichora with the face of a man, body of a lion, and tail of a scorpion, and the katoblepas, a look into the eyes of which causes the looker to fall dead. Hmm. He also wrote, when wheat gets diseased, it turns us into oats. <laughs> but he elsewhere is a credible and critical observer, and encourages others to be the same. When discussing Ascipalades, who Pliny considers a fraudulent doctor, Pliny states that, quote, the knowledge of remedies is best acquired by personal examination and actual experience, end quote. He argues that, quote, air must be soluble in water, for fish respire as we do, and air is required for the senses of hearing and smell, which fish, fish clearly possess, end quote. Elsewhere, Pliny exhibits insights about humans. Quote, Among all things, this alone is certain, that nothing is certain, and that there is nothing more proud or more wretched than man. End quote. Oh my gosh. Lots of pearls of wisdom here. Began, 1992, suggests that Roman explorers who were traveling beyond the boundaries of the empire appealed to the desires of many readers by reporting as fact the most sensational anecdotes that they heard in their travels. This obsession with the strange and unusual, which tainted the primary sources that Pliny used, continued through the 17th century, finding its way onto maps through drawings of dragons and tales of fantastic plants and animals in accounts of lands that were being explored. Tales of the strange and unusual figure prominently in modern society as well. Scientific journals such as National Geographic and Nature frequently concentrate on the unusual, and in a different way even the tabloids do, such as National Enquirer in the USA and The Sun in the UK. The millions of views on YouTube for the most unidentified flying objects and other unexplained phenomena are also a testament to the continued fascination with the unusual or unexplainable. Despite its shortcomings, Pliny's encyclopedia became the undisputed authority on science, nature, humankind, and the cosmos for much of the first 1,500 years of Western civilization. Think of that, 1,500 years, influencing the geographers and explorers of the Renaissance. An example of his keen observational skills are his notes about elephants. Quote, the elephant is the nearest to man in intelligence. It understands the language of its homeland, obeys orders, remembers the duties it has been taught, loves affection and marks of honor. Indeed, it possesses abilities rare even in man, like honesty, prudence, fairness, and respect for the stars, and reverence for the sun and moon." End quote. As a rigorous scientist, Pliny provides proof in his observations of a circus elephant that, unable to learn the steps of its routine properly, was seen to practice them secretly at night. Pliny also wrote that when fording a river, the small elephants traverse it first because the heavy adult tread would increase the depth too dangerously. And on animal behavior of pride and shame, Pliny observed that when the elephant Ajax refused to ford river, but Pat Patroclus did, quote, Patroclus was awarded a silver harness to his intense delight while Ajax crept 
humiliated away and starved himself to death, end quote. Pliny's influence of meticulous note-taking survives all the way to present-day geographic practice. For example, Ibn Battuta Rilla and Sour. His influence extends to curious places. Since he is credited as the first person to identify hops, the Russian River Brewing Company in California even brews a beer named Pliny the Elder. How about that? Pliny wasn't the first geographer to die as a result of his being curious about the world, and he wouldn't be the last. He also wasn't the first geographer to want to do all he could to rescue someone in need, but few deaths can match the spectacular circumstances surrounding Pliny's last days. The Emperor Vespasian appointed Pliny the position of fleet commander of the Roman navy. On 24 August in CE or AD 79, while Mount Vesuvius was erupting, Pliny was preparing to cross the Bay of Naples when he received a plea from his friend Rectina to rescue her and her companion. He landed at Herculaneum, found the companion but not Rectina. He continued on to Stabiae, just north of Pompeii, from which all the occupants were fleeing, but instead of fleeing himself, ever the geographer, he continued to describe each new phase of the eruption, ordering that a slave note down his observations exactly as he made them. As the earthquakes and fire grew more intense, Pliny was unable to escape, finally succumbing from falling pumice, heat, and poisonous volcanic gases. His body was discovered two days later on the beach at Stabiae. Thank you for joining me, folks, for our discussion today of Pliny the Elder, creating the first encyclopedia of geography. Pliny the Elder, creating the first encyclopedia of geography. Thanks for listening.